This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. liberating when you finally realize no one is coming for you. No lover, no parent, no friend can save you from the suffering of your mind. Why? Because you created all of them to support you on your journey of awakening. That's the mind mess we all need to work through. The sooner you can laugh about it, the faster you can overcome the insanity by unraveling the mind to unveil the illusions and know the truth of who you really are. Valeria interviews Beth Bell, the author of Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, Unraveling the Mind to Unveil Illusions. Beth Bell's soul journey has taken her around the world to live, starting with humble beginnings in North Dakota to California, New York City, Singapore, India, Bali, and now back in California. She spent 15-plus years in strategic brand management in the pharmaceutical industry, before becoming an entrepreneur and developing inspirational products, including a silver jewelry line for both e-commerce and a retail shop in Bali. She currently produces and co-hosts the Psychedelic Sages podcast and is an advisor to CEOs and psychedelic pharmaceutical companies. Her new book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, shares her journey of awakening and provides a spiritual toolbox others can learn from. Meet Beth at bethbell.me. Here's the interview with Beth Bell. In your own words, who is Beth Bell? Well, it's an interesting question. I would probably say I am consciousness, but I think most people probably want to hear the details um, of the character Beth Bell. And I am an author, an advisor, an entrepreneur, but I also like to really just wrap it up and say that I'm a relationship transformer and more recently a psychedelic spokesperson. For those who are trying to understand what that is intellectually even, what is consciousness to you? And what are the different states of consciousness, different levels? Well, consciousness to me is knowing that we're connected to source and that we're part of everything. Um, There's a lot of levels to it. And I think the whole journey is about awakening and expanding our states of consciousness. Um, But when we realize that we are consciousness, we know that we are pure, unconditional love and that we've chosen to be here as a character in this play and that we are very uh, interactive with all of the characters that we brought into the play with us. So 
you know, the levels, I think there's, that's probably a whole nother podcast yeah. um, you know, to, <laughs> to get into the details of that. But I think everyone is, you know, is, is at a different level of consciousness. Um, and it's not like a judgment of, of a level in that sense, but um, a level of awareness and consciousness um, because we all are one. And I used to always be so frustrated with that statement. Mm-hmm. Yes, what do you right. mean by we are all one? Right, and, you know, right. Oneness and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, I know I'm Beth Bell and I'm here in this body and you're mm-hmm. someone else, you know, you're over there. <laughs> so there's lots of interesting discussions around that and knowing that we're all one and what that really means. But yeah, consciousness is really just that, that state of being here now, uh, not being associated with the past or the future um, and just experiencing, yeah, who we are right here, right now. I wonder who chooses to come back <laughs> to play this, this movie, to be here and learn these lessons. I would love to hear from you the ideas you have behind this concept of who is choosing to be here. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the ways I kind of look at this that makes it really easy for me is if we have a, a big light, let's say the sun, yeah. and we take a, let's say a strainer or something, you would strain spaghetti and mm-hmm, you take yeah. that light <laughs> and you shine it through the, the strainer. Well, there's all these little beams of light that come out as a result but all of those beams of light are still connected to that same that same source that same place and so it's a remembrance back to that and it sometimes can be a challenge because we we really see everything vibrationally in front of us as matter and as existence and so when we start to talk about life being an illusion and you know what's reality it gets to be a little bit sticky so Yeah, it's really always just about remembering who we really are, not necessarily the particulars of the person that we think we are or that we think we're supposed to be for someone else. And yeah, that's really the awakening, the awakening journey. And it's it's fun. And as I know you know, it's also challenging at times as well. That's interesting that you say that you put it that way. It is fun and it's challenging at the same time. It really amazes me that we are not separate from the source, divine force or God, whatever name we want to give it to it, this ground of absolute reality. We have this ability or this freedom or free will to feel separate. It really amazes me that how come it's, a, it's almost like impossible because we can never disconnect, as you mentioned. But why do we have this freedom to feel disconnected? That's one of the questions that I ask myself a lot of times. And will this end at some point? <laughs> Almost like we want it to end. Yeah, well, and when you say that, it makes me think to talk about the fact that we have free will and that we've come in you know, with soul contracts and we've decided that we're going to have these experiences and learn these lessons and uh, be here in a physical human body. Um, and then you know, through lifetimes, you know, for different people, it's different numbers of lifetimes. We do, I think, transcend ourselves back to source and we don't come back and reincarnate as a body. Um, You know, but as we're here in a body, that separation that you spoke of, I think is such a pertinent topic for right now, especially because I feel with what happened with COVID, it was such a huge wake up call. And, and, you know, the powers that be were saying, all right, people, it's time we can't live anymore the way that we lived before. And this suffering 
which is, as you said, separation, right? It's a separation. Anything that we're experiencing other than love or the feeling of pure love is an experience of separation. And we've called that in for us to sometimes, you know, we have to just experience the suffering because we're all really hard workers here in the human realm. And until something really calls our attention um, that, you know, looks and feels like suffering, um, we aren't doing sometimes that inner work that gets us back to that remembrance of connection to source that we really are. And so that's the journey. And it it's really meant to be fun. And I think it's meant to be, um, yeah, just that, a journey, not a destination. So do we ever, you know, reach it? I mean, we have a lot of, I think, people who have showing up on the earth plane, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, you know, lots of lots of enlightened masters who have brought that north star down here on earth and embodied that pure love on a daily basis and we're able to really shift and transmit that to others. And so, yeah, we're all on a different journey as to how connected and remembering remembrance we're going to have in this lifetime. Um, but I think that's one of the beauty, beautiful parts of your show is that I know that you're here shining the light and you have guests that are also shining the light and saying, hey, let's remember who we really are. And that is love at its finest. The fact that we are born here already, already establishes that in a way, doesn't it, Beth? In the body, it's almost like the anchor of separation. Because, like, as you said, well, I'm here, you're there. <laughs> um, yeah, that it looks very much like everything is separated. And that's where it seems like the fun and the play could take place, that dance, where we know that we are connected, but in a separate way. So it's kind of play now, be light, and not just be within that realm that everything is one and as you said earlier that you got frustrated by hearing that me too like everything is one how come it doesn't make sense and then i heard somebody else say ultimately the um, divine reality it's actually dark it's darkness so it's almost like we have a chance to shine here <laughs> in this reality or perhaps other realities too without the body. And that ultimate reality, it's um, mainly there's nothing there to be experienced because we are not experienced in the first place. You know, there is one thing that you said, I, I feel like I want to go a little bit deeper into the question because you would ask about suffering. And so separation coming into our human bodies we set ourselves up for these life experiences and it's that first trauma or, um, you know, that separation that we experience. And sometimes we don't have a clue what it is because it happened when we were a tiny infant. It could have happened in the womb. And then we we spend the rest of our lives having a lot of experiences that that sort of pile on what that trauma was. Um, and And then at some point, people typically have an aha moment where they go, wait a second, I think there might be another way. And that's when we start unraveling what those traumas are, those first traumas. And, you know, it's, it's, it can come in a myriad of different ways because each soul chooses, you know, their own journey, which is completely individual to them. And oftentimes through romantic love or parental love, but it's through love or the perception of lack of love, or the the separation, the loss of love, 
um, that really pulls on us and and creates these wounds and this trauma that once we go back to what that is and we blow that up, then we're really reconnecting back to source. And, and that's the part that I think we need to make a little bit more fun at times in our life. And I'm not saying that it is always fun, but um, the journey of exploring the depths of who we are and what those traumas were that we set up for ourselves so that we can understand that energy and that vibration and not allow that to run our life, you know, which is those storylines that that we don't need to associate with. There's things that happen to us, no doubt. And there's stories. But when we vibrationally stay in those stories, that's the trauma and the wounds that are up for healing. And so I think, you know, uh, with what's happened with the pandemic and, and everything, it really gave us an opportunity to sit with ourselves in the four walls that we live in and the people that we live in it with or that we don't live in it with and really go deeper in. Some people heeded that call and some people didn't. And some people are still, you know, questioning whether they're going to heed that call. And at some point, spirit usually hits somebody over the head figuratively speaking, with something, whether it's an illness or an unexpected divorce or a death or something that calls the person's attention to say, hey, wait, no, not now. The time is now. You know, don't don't wait any longer. Don't stay in the suffering any longer. So I just felt like that was worth digging and diving into a little bit deeper when it comes to suffering and separation. How did you come to these understandings, Beth, these deep insights of life itself in yourself? I know you wrote a book and we'll be talking about it in a moment. It's, um, since I mentioned, it's titled Angels, Herpes and Psychedelics, Unraveling the Mind to Unveil Illusions. Yeah, well, it is kind of a long story in a sense, but I'll try to summarize part of part of this. I mean, I feel that, that growing up, I we all are very magical children and somewhere along the line, someone dampens our light. And, and luckily for me, I felt like I actually, I was actually able to be a a pretty healthy, normal child. I had a great upbringing. I had parents that really taught me love and I felt very safe. And I recognize today that there's a lot of people that don't have those really core basic elements. Um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of need, um, so I think that gave me a really strong foundation for my life because I didn't fear losing love at like the most primal level because I really felt my parents installed that in me and I understood the power of community and I felt supported by a community growing up. So I had some really great things that helped me, especially as I moved through my life and started to experience a lot of different aspects of what you might call traumatic experiences. Um, but I think, you know, one of the first things was my my marriage and um, having what I call the awakening kiss at 30,000 feet that really just woke me up. A lot of people are going to jump to, oh, affair, um, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. You can jump there if you want. But it was really like that situation where you wake up and you go, wow, I see things totally differently because I can feel in my body that I'm not in the right place for my soul's plan. And so it really wasn't about the person that I experienced the kiss with as much as it was about the wake-up call 
of understanding that I was allowing myself to be numb and to not be who I felt I was growing up as a as a child and and moving into my adulthood and and being that love that I had tried to fit a mold that felt like it was the right mold but it wasn't I was never supposed to be part of a mold you know it is about freedom and expression and love and so through that awakening kiss I realized that I was in the wrong relationship it was right for me for the for the purposes of what it was up until that point but once spirit spoke to me and i was really really clear i had to make a lot of really difficult decisions because um yeah and so that was probably some of the biggest catapulting moments of my life was going through my divorce um and and really being on my spiritual journey in a way that i hadn't been on before and I, I like to refer to that time as as a soul quickening time. It felt like my soul was quickening to to help me understand who I really am because I had suppressed that aspect of myself, trying to fit in to be normal in the ideas of yeah the social constructs of marriage and the white picket fence and what you know what we're supposed to do. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to share, but I want to pause there because. That's sort of probably the the real heavier, like, okay, I gotta pay attention now. I gotta I'm gonna shift something in my life. And that's when I would say it, yeah, my soul started to quicken and it was really fast forward from there. Well, I love to hear that you were open to listen to the voice of the soul and and kind of take that first step toward healing and um, the journey back actually to yourself. And it surprised me that some of us don't take that step. I have seen people around me who have uh, suffered over and over. They have been going through the same challenges as, and I see them as wake up call. I can see them from though I can see that from a distance, but they cannot see that themselves. Is that something that it's not part of their soul's plan to kind of learn those lessons, reveal who they are in this lifetime? And I just, I just wonder because. I know that it seems like there is this is happening where we have those contracts and then we come here to learn these lessons. But how come some of us don't learn? <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm asking myself, actually, and would yeah. love to hear from you. I think it's a great question. You know, why don't we stop the suffering? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, because they're so attached to their identity with their suffering, because they're attached to the stories, right? The stories make up who they are. And I think the thing that people are the most scared of is how powerful they really are in true love. You know, everyone is, you know, Course in Miracles, is it fear or love? It's it's that simple. Are you acting out of fear or are you acting out of love? And that's that first trauma, you know, experience where, where we realize that, oh gosh, there's something other than love, but it doesn't have to be looked at as negative. It's the duality. It's, it's, it's being here on earth. It's, it's part of the, the whole plan. Um, and then something you had mentioned earlier is I think it was about free will, you know, we have free will. So our soul is, is, is there speaking to us all the time. And, it's a matter of whether or not we're going to choose to listen. I mean, I had lots of signs about my marriage, for example, um, of which I wasn't really listening. Like I heard my soul say this, that, the other through the years. Um, but 
I didn't act on it. Why? Because of fear, because I, I, I was, I was fearful. I didn't want to identify with myself, um, in, in the truest sense of who I was and the knowingness that I had, because everything that I had set up for myself in this external world environment, being married to this person with X, Y, or Z characteristic seemed perfect. And so why would I, why would I mess that up? just because I get this soul nudge, right? And so, you know, I think what was said just a, a little bit ago was, you know, we get all these soul nudges and then eventually we get hit over the head. Yes. <laughs> eventually true. spirits can say, yeah, okay, so true. you know, free will's here, but we're also going to just give you a little bit more suffering and see if you'll, you know, make a different choice now. So, yeah, so that's the beauty of it is that we have free will and that's also the challenge of it is that we have free will is that, you still have the the power to decide whether you're going to step through suffering or stay in it. You said something else in your book. I think it was in your book. You said, no lover, no parent, no friend can save you from the suffering of your mind, of your own mind. So that's another interesting statement on the mind suffering happening at the level of the mind. And then the question a lot of times I ask myself is, what is there beyond the mind or behind the mind or before the mind? Because everything seems to be experienced through the mind, through this uh, space that we call mind. I would love to hear from you again <laughs> about this statement. Um, I know it has a context to it, but also like this idea of mind. What is beyond the mind? Can that be experienced? From my perspective, I don't see anything beyond the mind having anything to do with experience. So it's like beyond experience, but it's still part of the mind, it seems to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And th the reason why that line came out was it just is so obvious that we oftentimes as humans think, if I just get that next job or have that money or that house or that man or that whatever that that things are going to be better and the reality is is that you're you're never going to leave your own mind unless you choose to put it in its rightful place which is in the back seat and until we even realize what the mind is you know that we even realize that the tapes are playing in the background in the foreground and that we know the difference of what's the mind versus what's coming more from our soul. And the mind is the one that wants to evaluate and judge and critique and, and talk a lot. Whereas the soul is more in stillness and in that knowingness and that feeling in your body. Like, I just feel I need to do this. I don't know why. Those are great hits. Those are, those are clear yeses. Your body's telling you, right? It's the, it's the, it's it's the way that an acorn knows to grow into an oak tree, not because it sat around and thought about it and created a business plan, right? <laughs> so true. It's just connected to source yeah. and it just yeah. is part of everything. And mm. you know, for us as humans to achieve that state, it, it it's a practice. It's an ongoing practice. And so it's always about knowing that the mind is there. It's on. It's ready to talk to you. It's ready to tell you whatever stories you want to hear, good, bad, or ugly. And so the idea is that we really take 
control back, maybe the word control isn't the right word, but our power back to know that it's coming from the mind, which is all the narrative that we got installed, instilled, installed in our heads um, from oftentimes our upbringing. And then throughout our life, we just did all these things that just proved our same belief system. I mean, it's proven in science. It's not. It's it's not anything woo woo that that we have this. This is our our mind playing tapes. And you know, in some cases, it's good because if we learn that the stove is hot, we don't need to go touch it again to, to realize over and over and over. So so the mind is a is a good thing. We want the mind. We just want it in the rightful place, which is in the back seat, not in the driver's seat. Um, it's the soul that we want that stillness and that nowness and that that knowingness that that calmness that we feel about something and then we choose and use our free will to do it it's a contradiction in a way isn't it in within the human experience because i hear a lot about spiritual teachers and people who are trying to do good in this reality and then we're supposed to to be compassionate we're supposed to be empathize with people and everything and has been the story of my life, always being very empathetic to the point of even losing what that sense of calmness and, and becoming very chaotic because I'm absorbing everything, all the, the, the energies around me of everybody. And then now it seems like it's evolving something into something that's kind of beyond all this, but without disconnecting, it's not a disconnection. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you about that. Do you have that sense of being part of this reality and at the same time? not being it. <laughs> yes, <know>. yes. I, <laughs> you do. I understand. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's it's balancing the celestial realms and the terrestrial realms. It's being here in this planet as a body in this lower vibrational state. I'm not saying low, I'm just saying lower so that we can be in form. And it's also being connected to higher states of consciousness where we don't see things. And, you know, I think my journey has been interesting in the sense that uh, once I had that awakening kiss, what was so powerful about it was the connection I felt to someone who was, for all intents and purposes, pretty much a stranger. And I didn't believe in previous lives at that time. I didn't believe in um, a lot of things because I just hadn't experienced or studied or I hadn't wrapped my mind around it or or felt it innately within me. And that connection was what drove a lot of my soul quickening to understand what is connection with other people, whether it's a, a, a newborn baby, it's a lover, it's a parent, what is that thread? What, what is it? And how is it? And where is it? And how do we keep it? You know, and which then launched me into a plethora of books, which also was heavily weighted in quantum physics, which to me was really interesting that that happened because I, I'm not a, I wasn't a big book reader at the time of my life. And I certainly wasn't a big science nerd, but I, I just started to understand the quantum field in, in a way that I was not expecting. And when we start to understand the science that actually shows us how we're connected and helps to bridge that celestial terrestrial gap um, you know like let's just take it down to like a really basic example um you know electricity nobody really sees electricity but we just know that it's there now because we all have things that we plug into electricity and it makes it work so we just 
we just know, oh, okay, electricity is real, but we don't actually see it. And so it's things like that, that once we start to expand our consciousness, which is where we started this conversation, then we start to know that there's so much more that we don't see and that there's so much more at play as to how we're interacting with, with our, with our world. And so, yeah, I feel like, you know, for me, and and this is why it's so beautiful is that everybody's journey is different. And my book isn't a how-to guide. It's a, this is one woman's journey, but in that journey, I think it touches on so many different modalities and tips and tools as to how others can possibly get closer to their soul understand how to get their soul in the driver's seat, um, how to get that North Star. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of uh, Course in Miracles studying and had a, a really incredible person that dropped into my life, very divinely guided, of course, and helped me understand a lot of the concepts of Course in Miracles. Um, that along with my quantum physics and, you know, a lot of things that I was studying, which are all food for the mind, to try to get, you know, get an idea of what this all is. Um, but, and I'm probably jumping ahead slightly, but it really wasn't until I had my experience with psychedelics that I really understood the embodiment of it. So it's one thing to have intellectual knowledge and understand things. And it's a whole nother thing to experience the embodiment of it. Now, I was able to do that, honestly, before psychedelics, but psychedelics really put everything together for me in a way that was completely undeniable. And so I feel very fortunate because I, I was someone who's absolutely anti-drugs, and for the most part, I still am, other than I understand plant-based medicines now, and I understand um, psychedelics and what their, what their intention as a plant or a, or a molecule or a substance is, and how they're here to help the awakening. Now, I also want to say that psychedelics will not enlighten you. So psychedelics will open your mind to help you see the North Star and in many cases experience the oneness, but it's still your work to embody it and bring it back here in this dimension. So depending upon where you are in your journey, when you partake in a psychedelic um, if if you do ceremony, um, that really has a, a I think a, a direct correlation to how much you can bring back from it. And so I think what's the most important aspect is the integration of this knowledge and these insights that we get. But yeah, it's a it's a journey, and I kind of went off a little bit there. Um, but I felt like it was all relevant to sort of the span of you know, our soul's calling to teach us about some basic things like A Course in Miracles, quantum physics, um, you know, and for other people, it will be different. Maybe they do a psychedelic first and that pops them into understanding and then they want to go and do some of that research and understand, or maybe they just get right to embodiment and they're able to be more like a Buddha, a Krishna, a Jesus, a Yogananda, um, you know, uh, and be in a, more of an enlightened master and to hold that frequency, you know, through, throughout time. But most people have designed their life to work on it, experience it, and interact with the characters that they've called in to help them really embody and remember who they really are. Wow. 
Interesting that you said, oh, maybe I jumped. That was exactly my question. <laughs> so <laughs> intuitively, it seems like you knew psychedelics had such a fascinating topic and experience to have. I had one too, but it was um, um, involuntary. Like I went to this meditation center and I stayed there for a while and then they gave me something to eat and that had some of the um, the plant, but I don't think it was the plant only. They had other substance there that mm. mind altering. And then I could see a lot of things, but then it was because it was not supervised. The intention was not behind it. And I don't think it was integrated, although I tried to, but I don't think it was. And I love hearing that from you, that integration is very important. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And thank you for saying that because one of the the hot buttons I have is that it's becoming really trendy all of a sudden to do psychedelics. And there's a lot of people out there that are calling themselves shamans and this, that, and the other. And set, setting, and server are so important for safety. And I don't mean just your physical safety. I mean your mental safety and I mean your spiritual safety because there's a lot of stuff that can happen. And to your point, you know, when you don't go in with an intention or you don't know that you're even partaking in it, these situations can be very scary. And there can be a lot of things that happen in in the other realms and dimensions that people who are completely naive aren't going to have a toolbox to know how to handle that or to manage that. So I don't say it to try to scare people. I say it to bring a level of discernment that I think is absolutely necessary for people to understand because these plants, um, whether it's plants or it's molecules um, that were devised in a lab, they have a very powerful effect. And it's important that people understand who they are doing these with because, because of the fact that it breaks you through the illusional veil. And it opens your mind to things that you may or may not be ready for. And with integration, I believe that everything can be integrated. And and every trip, whether someone perceives it as good or bad, can be be, uh, worthwhile and helpful. It's just really, again, surrounding yourself with the right people um, that have the intention that you want to be aligned with. And so, yeah. These, these servers, um, you know, for let's just say ayahuasca, this is something that's ancestral. This comes down through lineages of knowledge and wisdom. This isn't something you pick up and suddenly, you know, you're trained and you know what you're doing. Um, and the same for some of the others, like the MDMA and the more synthesized laboratory psychedelics. Um, they're, they're, they're serious. And, and you need to be with people who, when you open yourself up, will be safe. Um, and so, yeah, so thanks for sharing your experience on that because it's it's one that I don't want people to have. Um, and it's something I also feel that people should feel very called to do. I was not called for psychedelics for a very long time. And as I said, I was completely against it. And even when a dear friend of mine experienced it because of uh, breast cancer and had a, an incredible um, outcome as a result, I still was like, yeah, I don't think I need to do this. I've done, you know, 20 plus years of deep diving into my own journey and expanded my states of consciousness. Like, I don't really want to mess up or undo what I've already done. And um, and then it wasn't until I, I was exposed to specifically plant-based medicines, San Pedro, um, and had people that I really admired and respected 
share with me their their thoughts on on plant based medicines. And of course, I'm a flower whisperer, and so that I started to understand that. Oh gosh, if I understand the power of flowers and the power of Mother Nature living in Bali and everything that I learned and knew, I was like, wait, why wouldn't I be more open if I have the right set setting and server to to having this experience? And so I was really blessed that I had an amazing opportunity. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really particular about who I would sit with in medicine. Um, I don't, I don't look at it lightly and I want to encourage others to not do it lightly either. It's not something you want to do just because your friend's doing it or someone on a podcast says that they had a great experience, you know, something you want to feel called to. Yeah, that's a very important message that I absolutely agree. So that's great that I mentioned that my own experience that I wanted to write about, but I never did it because I had a lot of visions from that experience. Even then it was not, it was involuntary, but I had some powerful visions, something, things that I had to see at that time. So I was grateful for them. So I kind of gave up the idea of bad mouthing the experience. So I just stopped, but I yeah. do love your advice and suggestion about engaging with psychedelics. The calling is very important, preparation, intention, and then, of course, integration after. Um, regarding the calling, what are the signs when we are called to, uh, to experience psychedelics? Well, it's a great question, but the answer is super loosey-goosey, and yeah. I'll tell you why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, you know, for me, I also had been introduced to the idea of doing ayahuasca. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds pretty, you know, pretty intense. And, um, but I was like, okay, I know that I'll know when I need to, if ever. I wasn't sure. And one night I had a dream and the dream was back back in my corporate life. Um, I was up on stage and I was speaking to a big group of people. And uh, there was a gentleman also on stage with me speaking. I didn't, recall knowing him in the dream but after we we finished i saw him backstage and i walked up to him and i said i just feel like we need to work together and he looked at me and he was really dark skinned um and he looked at me and just gave me this absolute transmission through his eyes and said ayahuasca is the way I wasn't, we weren't talking about psychedelics or plant-based medicines or anything, but the transmission came so clearly. I was like, oh, I guess that's my calling. Well, fast forward, I was open then. And a year, it wasn't until at least a year later that I actually finally was in an ayahuasca journey because I used my discernment and I had a lot of people come to me, oh, here's ayahuasca, ayahuasca. But all of those places just didn't feel like the right place. And when the right opportunity came, I knew. And then I, I spoke to the server, which I highly recommend people do to just feel into their vibration and understand where their intentions lie. And as I spoke to him, I knew almost immediately because of his light and his vibration. But then I told him that story and he said, oh, that must have been the father of of the of ayahuasca. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but and he sent me a picture of him and he said, "Is this what he looked like?" And I said, "Yeah." And so um, I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen for everyone, but something will happen where you will feel inside your body a yes, as opposed to 
a yes from the mind, which is because you evaluated it and da 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 da. It's not. It's it's more of a, a feeling. And even for you, I mean, I think in some cases it does happen where it's not voluntary, and I don't like for that to happen. But it still shifted and changed you in a way that you might not have changed at that point because you know. So so I so I'm also not someone that like you said, to, to judge it. You said, hey, I'm just going to stop judging it and let's move on from that story and take from it what was really valuable. So yeah, there are some people that, um, yeah, that end up, you know, having their first experience completely unexpectedly, don't do any of the due diligence, don't use any discernment, and they still have an amazing journey. So it doesn't mean that it that it can't be that way. I'm just saying, let's just be smart about um, the calling for these medicines and, you know, really stick with your soul on it as opposed to just following the sparkles of, you know, what the mind wants to bring to you. You produce and co-host the podcast title Psychedelic Sages. What a great name. So talk to me about that. And you also are an advisor to CEOs and psychedelic pharmaceutical companies, which uh, it's a wonderful let's say, new way of healing, because I know how powerful that is. But I really love the way you keep saying that you keep talking about the calling and all the preparation before we do any any of that. But I would love to hear more about the psychedelic, I don't want to say market, <laughs> doesn't sound too good, which I would love to become a market. But the scene, what's your vision for the for psychedelic as a healing method? Yeah, I think that psychedelics will change change the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. But again, I want to go back to the human factor, which is people have to also integrate. So it's not psychedelics that's going to enlighten the planet and bring humanity together. But psychedelics are a tool that people can use. Now, with that said, you can also use meditation. You can also use family constellation work. You can also, there's so many different modalities. So you don't have to jump into psychedelics, but psychedelics are pattern disruptors in the brain. They work on the serotonin, they work on neuroplasticity. So there's that all of those patterns that we talked about early on in this podcast, um, the trauma, the suffering, the storylines, it, it gives you reprieve from those so that you can actually see and experience pure unconditional love without the ideas that the mind wants to put around all the stories. So um, so yes, there is huge potential for psychedelics to help heal humanity, um, for sure. Uh, although at the highest level, we are all perfect and whole, I should say that, and that there is nothing to heal. Um, but the mind is so prevalent that uh, the journey that most people have chosen is to unravel the mind so that they can unveil these illusions of what they think is real, but is not. And so um, I felt very compelled to use my pharmaceutical uh, background and experience along with my spiritual deep diving and my entrepreneurial experiences, having a, a store in Bali and making all of my my products in Bali and, and having all that to help the psychedelic sector. So um, I think that there's a lot of great things happening and I think we'll see approvals in 2023 for for psychedelics we are well there's also ketamine on the market right now which is a psychedelic so that's available to people right now but i think mdma and psilocybin we know has been 
um, you know, decriminalized uh, uh, in Colorado and in Oregon now. So there's there's a huge movement towards this, and I think it's being recognized more and more and more. Um, but there's also, you know, this it's commerce and there's nothing wrong with making money. It's how the world works. And so companies should make money. I personally would like to see the intention of the plants and the molecules stay within the idea of awakening and healing humanity, as opposed to getting it to a place where it's just about profitability and popping pills. And um, so there's, that's all like a whole nother many hour discussion probably (laughs) um, around around that, but yes, (laughs) the market is coming. Um, It's, it's here, the receptivity is here. And so I feel one of the, one of the main goals of my book, there was three main goals actually was the third one was to help shift the narrative around psychedelics because most people know it as the war on drugs and the, the egg in the frying pan. And, um, and that's not what it is. And it's very, very different agents work very differently than, than other, other molecules that are focused on dopamine and that are very addictive, um, and are not for expanding consciousness. Um, so these, you know, the word psychedelics, um, is the root of the word is mind manifesting. So, um, yeah, so we see, and, and psychedelics in many forms of ayahuasca and San Pedro, which is a cactus have been used by indigenous tribes for, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries, along with peyote and the Indian native American population. So a lot of these agents are not, they're not they're not new to the scene <laughs> they're old and they're bringing they're bringing ancient wisdom to the forefront so um that's also the beauty is that you know a lot of times when we have new drug applications there are new molecules that don't have any any you know data and science behind them and while we don't necessarily have the clinical trial data in the truest cleanest form we have you know millions and millions and millions and millions of people who have used a lot of these agents that are now being studied and brought to the market I mean, what can I say? So to hear more about um, psychedelics and this work, this message that you have to deliver, the best way would that be your book, of course, but also the Psychedelic Sages podcast? Best. Yes, yes. Okay. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, the Psychedelic Sages podcast, we have a lot of great information on there. Um, I'm also uh, on my my own Beth Bell Live YouTube page. Um, I'll have some additional stuff on psychedelics there. And also... Um, there's a, a book club that is all about discussing the modalities in the book. And so there's going to be a wealth of information um, on Beth Bell Live and, and my new show that's coming in the new year, Ask Beth Bell. So if your listeners want to ask questions about psychedelics or you know get even more information, they are more than welcome to join that show. And the best way to do that is to, to uh, go on to the Beth Bell Live page and then <clears throat> Ask Beth Bell will start to produce those shows starting in the new year. So that's exciting. So yeah, there's lots of different ways that they can tap into more information in regards to psychedelics, the Psychedelic Sages podcast and the Beth Bell Live. Wonderful. And I'll have the link that will lead them to all these platforms to your website, which is, I believe, is 
Beth Bell. Is that dot com? I have no. It's somewhere. dot me. Beth Bell dot, dot me. me. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I should mention is on the website, there's also the Awakening and Healing Handbook, and so there's a lot of things that I talk about in the in the book in stories, but I don't necessarily explain all the modalities in detail. And so the Awakening and Healing Handbook has a lot of definitions for different words. You know, what does source energy mean? Um, they're all through my lens, but there's definitions. There's descriptions of healing modalities. So there's a lot of information there as well that they can tap into. And that's, yeah, just bethbell.me. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile as well. We um at the end of our conversation for today, and I want to thank you again for this beautiful presence and much needed in this reality in the sense of correcting the mind, yeah. <laughs> not really correcting the whole um, being in the soul, because as you said beautifully, we are already whole. But then the mind doesn't know that a lot of times. So yeah. thank you so much for doing what you do. That's such a beautiful commitment of the soul. Thank you. Thank Beth. you. Thank you. Take good care of yourself and we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch again. Sounds good. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Beth Bell and her work, please visit bethbell.me. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.